Hello and welcome to the Dragons Are Real podcast. Well, I've had a request from several people, so now it's time to do it. Today I'm going to be looking at the new The Lord of the Rings role-playing 5e. So this is the second edition of Adventures in Middle-earth that was originally done by Cubicle 7. Adventures in Middle-earth was the 5e version of the One Ring first edition, again by Cubicle 7. Now, Cubicle 7 lost the license to the One Ring and Adventures in Middle-earth, and it's been taken up by Free League. Free League have brought out the One Ring second edition, and that was released on a multi-million pound Kickstarter, uh, was it last year or earlier this year? Anyway, they said they were going to do a 5e version like they'd done with Adventures in Middle-earth. However, this one is not going to Kickstarter. It's going direct to their store. And it's currently up for pre-order. It's £41 from the Free League store for the pre-order, which gives you the hardcover book. And you also get the PDF straight away. Or you can go for the 5e bundle, which includes the core book, the Shire Adventures for 5e, and you get the Law Master Screen and Rivendell Compendium. And again, you get the PDF for free for the core book and the Shy Adventures. So I'm uh, going to look at them today. Uh, the books have completely rewritten. They've got new artworks, new maps. And what I would say is this time they are more of a conversion of the One Ring 2nd Edition as opposed to a ground-up rewrite just for 5e. Some of the things do remain the same for Middle-earth, um, but there are a host of changes. And today I'm going to concentrate on the changes from the first edition. And the other big change is instead of a player's guide and a lawmaster's guide, we now just have the one book. So let's dip in. So the first big change to Lord of the Rings 5e is the setting has changed. Previously, we were based in the year 2946 and it was set in Eriador. This time we have now moved 20 years after Bilbo left the Shire, which sets it at 2965. And we've now moved location to Bree and Shire. Several of the rules have changed in the game and as we go uh, through it I'll uh, explain the changes they've made uh, but broadly we have uh, the usual journeys, uh, audiences and shadow points although they have changed somewhat. Uh, the classes which are now called callings are different as are the backgrounds so let's uh, take a deep dive. The first um, change is the skill list. Now in the original Middle-earth you had four new skills, Riddle, Law, Shadow Law and Traditions which were all intelligence based. These have been replaced by Explore, Hunting, Ord Law, Riddle and Travel. Explore, Hunting and Travel are all Wisdom abilities and Riddle, Ord Law um, are intelligence based. One thing I do find interesting is um, they're saying that if you own the one ring and the one ring dice, uh, you can now use it with these 5e rules. Now, the one ring uses um, a six-sided dice and a 12-sided dice. 
So uh, what they're saying now is if you want to use these 5e rolls with those dice, um, instead of rolling your d20, whenever d20 roll is required, uh, you roll the three d6s and you're looking for three successes. So um, that option is open to you if you so wish. Right, so the first one is we get onto the cultures. So there's quite a few changes here. Um, Bardings, Men of Bree and Hobbits of the Shire remain. Uh, gone are Bjornings, the Men of Lake, Riders of Rohan, Dunedain and Woodmen of Wilderland. There's also one new culture and that is the Rangers of the North. So if you want to play your Aragorn then now you can do so. The Dwarves have now changed to the Dwarves of Durin's Folk and not the Lonely Mountain and the Elves are now from Linden and not Mirkwood. Even with the um, cultures that have remained they are quite substantially different to the original Avengers in Middle-earth so they're not compatible in any way. Um, if you want to keep the previous cultures then you are going to have to do some quite big changes. The other thing they've done now is in Adventures in Middle-earth you had um, a number of backgrounds and those backgrounds were open to everyone. Now each of the cultures has a list of backgrounds they can choose from. Um, so there's four, back, four or five backgrounds for each of the um, cultures. Now when we get on to classes these are now called callings. Out go the warrior, the slayer and the wanderer and in comes captain, champion and messenger and scholar, treasure hunter and warden remain from the previous editions. Although there are changes in all of the classes. So like the captain is a valiant fighter and the leader of others, the champion is a fierce warrior skilled with a variety of weapons and armour. A messenger is an experienced traveller and advisor carrying tidings to distant lands. The scholar is a master of learning, familiar with ancient lore and healing arts alike. The treasure hunter is a cunning adventurer who seeks to recover what is lost. And the warden is a protector of the weak who blends martial prowess and knowledge of the land. Another big change is that we now only have 10 levels for each of the callings. Yes, no longer if we got 20 levels, we're down to 10 levels. And I can see why they've done this, because I think in the previous game, if you worked it out, people like Elrond, who was like you know, one of the most powerful people in the land, they were only about 15th or 16th level, somewhere around there. So having players go in up to 18, 19 and 20 was a bit bonkers, because it made them more powerful than any of the characters from the books. Um, if you have a look through all of the um, classes, um, it's your standard 5e. Um, they've tightened it up and changed it, so um, made it more Tolkien-esque, certainly. What they have added is now the option of multi-classing, or more than one calling, and there's rules in here for how to, how to have more than one calling. And if you really, really need to go beyond the 10th level, there are also rules in here how you can do it by extra experience points and gives you some ideas of some extra stuff you can have like hit dice, fighting styles, crafts and that sort of thing if you really really need it but I think for me 10th level would be the sweet spot. When it comes to equipment, weapons and armour there are some minor changes but nothing earth shattering 
from the um, first edition. We have a new section called Rewards, but really all it is is a renaming from Legendary Weapons and Armor that was in the Lawmaster's book. Again, these have been simplified um, from Avengers in Middle-earth, so for me, anything that simplifies it gets a big thumbs up from me. And then we get on to the changes of the sort of core mechanics. So the first one is Council. Council replaces what was audiences in the original book. And audiences in the original book were used for any meeting with famous people. And it could be a little bit convoluted. Um, and you were relying on the traditions check for everything. And if somebody uh, had a bad traditions, then it could completely screw them. Uh, with councils, the only time you make do a council is when you're having a meeting of extraordinary importance only. And again, they have simplified it. Uh, now you uh, make a charisma check, the DC 15, and on a success, the company can re-roll any single ability check during the interaction stage. If you get five or more on your charisma check, you can re-roll up to two failed ability checks. And if you fail your charisma check by five or more, the players have disadvantage on all their ability checks. So it's nice and easy, you have your introduction. Secondly, you set the required successes. So before the council begins, the players should agree on what the company hopes to achieve a meeting and possibly on how to go about getting it. And the Lawmaster must consider the importance of the objective and set out the number of successes that are required to meet the player's sort of uh, ideas of what they want. Then the main phase is the interaction phase. Um, the players engage with the Lawmaster who does the, plays out the scene. You make a number of ability checks and the uh, DC is set depending on whether the person is friendly at DC 10 all the way up to reluctant at DC 20. It gives some tips on what sort of um, skills you should be using uh, for what you want. And at the end of the council, it can end in three different ways. If you reach the number of successes on your ability checks, you get success and you get what you want. If you uh, fail an ability check attempt during the interaction stage, the player can choose to simply fail and be refused what they ask, or with the approval of the Lawmaster, they can opt to achieve their stated goal but they must pay a steeper price for it. And finally, you have a disaster. Player here who fails an ability check attempted during the interaction stage by 10 or more, or five or more if the request was outrageous, and the player, um, it's gone really bad, the players may end up being imprisoned or maybe even attacked. And another thing they've added now, you can now get XP for your council. So if you have a council and it goes well you can gain xp for this so it's another nice way to gain xp as opposed to just killing monsters and now we get up to the most famous part of the rules in middle earth which has been carried over is journeys which was a very important part of the lord of the rings um, i did like the journey rules but what they've done here is they've simplified it even more uh, which gets a big thumbs up for me so it allows the game to move swiftly on. So as with um, journeys, you have to know your destination. The players will then plot out the routes they are going to take. And as in the previous game, you ha each of them has a role. 
a guide, a hunter, a lookout and a scout. And the journey is broken down into legs of 20 hexes or less. And once the journey path has been set, the guide will make a pathfinding check, which is basically a wisdom travel check. And um, depending on the roll, if it's successful or not, it will set an event at either two, three or four hectares away from their current position. You then roll on the events table uh, to see what event is there. Um, and if the event is in the borderlands, you get advantage on that roll. If it's in the darklands, you get a disadvantage on the roll or any other place. You just roll for the event. There's one events table now and the events have been simplified um, from the previous version. And each of the events um, is dealt with by making an ability check on that um, event and the lawmaster is advised to add some fluff to it as well to uh, make it more constructive whereas in the previous journey rules there were several tables you could roll on depending on the areas you were and then you acted out a random encounter this is now distilled it down just to ability checks and you add some flavor again you can earn xp now for dealing with journeys so that's um, it encourages the traveling and uh, you get some reward for it then we get to fellowship phases which was another core part of the adventures in middle earth now uh, again they have uh, altered how fellowship phases work in the second edition and again They've tried to make it more simplified, and I think, as with all the changes they've made, they've tried to make it more Tolkien-esque. So when you have a fellowship phase, you set the duration, and it's either somewhere between a week and a season. They have to choose their destination, which is, has to usually is one of their safe havens. They recover one to three shadow points, whereas before you had to roll them, you know, depending on what's been happening, uh, the company's actions they regain one to three shadow points and we'll come on to shadow points in a bit if you're not familiar with those um, they choose an undertaking and there are new undertakings and again they've simplified undertakings and every third fellowship phase they have a yule undertaking or a yule phase which is the winter which is when the players get another year older uh, and they can also gain extra xp if they don't take the heel scars undertaking so the undertaking are things like gather rumors heal scars meet patron uh, ponder storied and figured maps raise an air recount a story study magical items strengthen the fellowship write a song so again a lot more flavorful then we come on to the law section law master section and the law master section has um, got some advice here for new um, law masters on how to uh, run a Tolkien game how to include the canon setting the locations um, dealing with the people there's a section on non-player characters another section on treasures how to create precious items and famous items, cursed items, uh, all that good stuff that sort of makes it interesting in a Middle Earth game. And then we get on to the shadow. Now shadow points are the 
corruption mechanic, shall we say? Yeah, it's corruption mechanic for uh, Lord of the Rings, because if you think about the books, you know, the likes of uh, what happened to uh, people as they were going across the land, uh, the, the shadows weighing down on them. So this is the mechanic. In the old game, uh, it was a little bit convoluted, but it worked. Uh, now they've, again, made it easier. Uh, if you're making saving throws against gaining shadow points, you now use three of your, either one of three of your abilities opposed to just the one. So it's either Wisdom, Intelligence or Charisma. And it's a DC 15 save. If you save it, you don't take the shadow points. If you fail, you take shadow points. And there are two new conditions. Miserable, and you become miserable when you have enough shadow points that is equal to half your wisdom score or more. This reduces your fellowship rating of the company. And in future, all roles that are a 1 or a 2, no matter what the DC is, are a failure. Uh, when it, uh, your shadow points equal to your wisdom score, you become anguished. Not only are you miserable, but you get disadvantage on all ability checks, saving throws and attack rolls. And you may gain long-term effects. To get rid of your shadow points, you must receive a bout of madness and you move further along the source, your shadow path. And there are actually four times you can have a bout of madness as things get worse. And if you ever have another bout of madness after that, then your character is retired from the game. There is a list of adversaries at the back, or a bestiary, and these have changed quite a lot from the previous version. Um, there are different types of creatures. I mean, your, your standard orcs and stuff are there, but there's quite a lot of um, different ones. They've also changed the lot of the um, stats for the creatures. In some cases, the hit points have come down. Um, and I can see why they've done it. If you're having, you've only got 10 levels to play with, then, you know, are, are some of the uh, beasts as strong? Well, there we go. That's what they've done. Um, you can make up your own creatures, and there's a table here how to do it. Um, as of creatures that um, are not described in Tolkien, but you want to create something uh, a bit unusual, then there's rules in here how to create one of those. The characteristics, what the rumours about them, and this sort of thing. Um, the Eye of Mordor, which was a separate rule from one of the supplements, now gets into the uh, core rules. And in general terms, it's these Mordor's awareness of the company. As the company start to do things, the uh, Eye of Mordor becomes... Well, it was called the Eye of Sauron, if I remember rightly, in the um, original book. And um, once their points get too high, then the uh, shadow will then hunt the people down, will hunt the, the, the party down. Uh, there's a whole end, um, a whole chapter on the new setting of uh, Bree at the Shire. Uh, so, uh, and with a few. Um, NPCs inhabit it. So uh, all great for setting your games in. And then we get to the appendix and then the appendix 
we've got some new Patreon, some patrons that they can meet because obviously we're in a different a time, slightly different time period and a different location. So we've got the likes of uh, uh, Balin, Bilbo Baggins, uh, Sidon the Shipwright, um, Gandalf the Grey, Gilrain the Fair, Tom Bombadil and Lady Goldberry, and some landmarks the back and the old character sheet and the nice uh, uh, new map of the location um, which is a, a more it's a more Tolkien-esque map more stylized or hand-drawn map as opposed to the previous map which was uh, more colorful this is more like a, a parchment um, and in the old map there was several different types of terrain different colored and now it's just set into borderlands, wildlands, and darklands. So that is the quick, I say quick, that is the look at the Lord of the Rings 5e. Um, quite a marked change from the original uh, Adventures in Middle-earth. However, on the whole, I think I played a two-year campaign uh, Adventures in Middle-earth and it's one of the longest free campaigns I've run in about 35 years. Uh, we thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, the characters, they got to about, was that level 10, 9, 10, 11, somewhere, somewhere around there. Um, and it was set over, I think, about 30 years, that they, the time period that they set. So it was a, a good adventure. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the setting. Uh, it's low magic. Uh, the players really enjoyed it. Um, I think the changes they've made here, certainly they simplify it for the GM. Uh, the mechanics have been simplified, but uh, still do enough to make the setting uh, stand out. So if you're into Lord of the Rings, um, the One Ring isn't your jam, or you don't want to learn a new game, Then the and your group already plays 5e, I think this is a good transition over. For me, I'm not interested in learning the One Ring. Um, we're D&D players, so for us, it's nice and easy playing 5e. I've got all the hardbacks of the, of the original adventures in Middle-earth, which are sadly now to print and are a bit pricey. Uh, so for me, this is a good buy. Which version would I run? I think seeing the changes they've made to the new version, I think definitely uh, I would use the new version over the old. Um, and it's... Uh, if you like Lord of the Rings, then I think it's well worth your time. So I hope that was some use for you. Well, thank you all for listening. Don't forget, check out the website. We are now at dragonsarereal.bearblog.dev. Uh, if you want um, to get in touch with me, the email address is dragonsarerealpodcast at protomail.com. That's all for this episode. I'll catch you all on the flip side.